welcome to another inspirational message from Brave Church UK. This uh, morning is our last morning in the book of Ephesians in 2019. And uh, don't try and do a fake R. And um, this, is, this is week 11 of our journey through the book of Ephesians. Um, in this church we believe in the Bible as the word of God. And uh, we believe that, uh, that we learn more about who God is, his plan for our lives, and, uh, and the way that he wants to interact with us by studying it. And so that's what this series has been about. It's been about us getting a closer look at, uh, at a book, specific book in the Bible and us learning some stuff. Uh, if I'm really honest, um, I read the scripture for this week and thought, I don't want to do that, God. Could we do something else? And uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. You'll find out why. Um, this is going to be an interesting morning. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, especially if you spent any time around church over the last 10, 15, 20 years. This is going to be an interesting morning. And um, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever looked at something um, and it's not what you thought it was. And that's the experience I've had with this scripture this week and, uh, and that we're going to share together. It, it's not what I thought. And this last uh, year, uh, Rachel... Uh, decided she wanted a new pair of, of trainers, okay? She's looking for a new pair of trainers with her birthday money to buy. And, uh, and she found these uh, Nike trainers um, that she loved and she wanted. And uh, they cost uh, around about 80 pounds, okay? And um, she was like, I can't, I can't bring myself to spend the, my money to spend the 80 pounds on this pair of trainers, and so, so here's what she decided to do. She decided, like a, like a good um, you know, steward of, of her birthday finance, she was going to look online and try and find a deal. Anybody like a deal? Come on, we like a deal, don't we? I only ever shop in the sales. I just like that. I like the thought, I've got a deal. I don't care what price I pay, I just want to know I've got a deal. And she found these trainers, that, uh, these night trainers that were meant to be 80 pounds. She found them online for 23 pounds. You're hooked already, aren't you? You're interested, you're involved. 23 pounds she found them. And uh, she said to me, have a look at this site. What do you think of this site? Have a look at it. Do you think this is a, there's a deal? I said, well, I'm not sure it's going to be, I'm not sure it's going to be legit. Like, I'm not sure if it's like a, a proper deal or it's one of those scam things. She said, uh, well, I'm going to have a think about it and then I'll decide what I'm going to do. So she decided, a couple of days time, she decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. I'm going to buy these trainers. Should it be 80 pounds? I'm going to get them for 23 quid. She bought them. She was so excited for her night traders to show up. She got the, the notification on her phone um, the day before they arrived. Uh, there's a delivery coming to your house tomorrow. She's excited. She said, oh, man, I can't wait to see. The, the, the delivery came and that you had to sign for, and it was, it was this size. So straight away, something's off. 20, 23 quid. Should be 80 quid. She opened up the box. It was a key ring. A key ring, size seven. A size seven key ring. What she thought she was getting, she completely got the opposite. And, uh, and she paid for it as well. And in life, I don't know about you, there are moments, there are times when you're expecting one thing and you get a complete other. And as we approach this, this text this morning, what Paul has to say about wives and husbands, about relationships... I'm going to suggest that actually as we look at it, what you expect it to say, it does not say. What you think it says, maybe, just maybe, 
it could be different. So let's read along together. Uh, this is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And, uh, and, and, and you're going to love this verse if you're here with your wife this morning. Verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands. Shall we finish there? Shall we st- let's stop there. Let's stop there. Let's move on. Let's just open somewhere else in the Bible. Let's start something fresh this morning. Why don't we do Philippians? <laughs> let's move on to Philippians because we don't, we don't like that. Wives, submit to your husbands. Just thought I'd say it a second time. Just for effect. As to the Lord, for the husband, listen to this, is the head of the wife. And also, very quiet in here this morning. (laughs) Very, very quiet. For the husband is the head of the wife, and also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as Christ is subject, uh, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in, I like this part, Everything. Everything. Sorry. Verse 25. Husbands, your part, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Then he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word and that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle. Yeah, Anyone up for that purchasing that anti-aging cream right there? Not having a spot or a wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones, for this reason, A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and his church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's an interesting portion of scripture. And it's all about the the interaction and relationship between a wife and a husband. And Paul uses a parable of the wife and the husband to explain the great mystery of Christ and his church. Christ being, being the bridegroom and the church being his bride. And as you read through the, the, the story, there are three images that, that Paul gives us of how this relationship is to, is to be outworked. And before I get to those, I just want to lay just a really quick foundation for us in terms of marriage, in in terms of what Paul sees as marriage. Are you ready? Number one, you ready? That was a resounding yes this morning. Okay. Number one, uh, marriage, according to Paul, is a covenant agreement between a man and a woman. Paul addresses husband and wife, and almost to to doubly uh, highlight this, He then references Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, and says that this is what marriage is. So marriage, first of all, is a covenant agreement between a man and a woman, according to Paul. Second of all, this is the mystery, that two people become one flesh. Two people become one flesh. That's what he says. And the reference that Paul gives is from Genesis chapter 2. He says this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, 24. 
It says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. Uh, one of the commentators says this, uh, that, uh, that in order for, for woman to come out of, of, of man and be created, uh, God had to put Adam asleep because if he was awake, he would have resisted all the way. You'll get that later on, some of you. Some of you don't want to get that. And he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh. That, that uh, theologian, by the way, that commentator was Ben Whitaker. If you want to speak to him afterwards, <laughs> you can do. He took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with, him, with, with his wife. And they shall become one flesh. One flesh. It's a great mystery that Paul's talking about there, that two individual people in the construct of marriage become one. That's amazing, isn't it? Actually, if you think about this, two becoming one, it makes it so important who, who you choose to partner with and do life with, doesn't it? Because what Paul's saying is they become part of you. That two people, and, and let me just side note, um, if, you're dis, if you're dysfunctional and you're looking for a partner... Then, and you find someone who's dysfunctional, you've just got double trouble. Double trouble. You've got double dysfunction. So the object of, of according to Paul, if two are becoming one, in order for that to be healthy, isn't it, wouldn't it be amazing to focus solely on that preparation in getting yourself right, your own heart right, your own soul right, your own mind right with God, so that you know when, you, when you're joining with somebody else that you're not bringing your dysfunction into the marriage. True? Wish someone had told me that before I got married. Because I walked into marriage with all my dysfunction. And then God said, work it out. And all that inner world that, that I could have spent time working on before I got married and made my, my marriage so much better as I journeyed into it and ignored. And I was looking for somebody else to fix my dysfunction when God wants you to give him your heart and your life and work it through. Anyway, let's move on before we talk a little bit too much about dysfunction in marriage. The third thing that, that Paul shows us about marriage is that this is how marriage works, okay? And this might be a challenge for us this morning. This is two people submitted to God and to each other. It's two individual people becoming one flesh, man and a woman, who in that process are submitting to God and to each other. Now this is a challenge particularly for men. Because we, this, is a, this is a verse that is quoted by, more, more often than not, Christian men. Particularly verse 22. And not in context of the rest of what Paul's saying. This is what we. This is what it's quoted by by Christian men. Usually in an argument, where there's disagreement. Well, it says Paul says in Ephesians chapter five verse twenty two, wives, submit to your husbands. So you, wife, submit to me. And all the husbands look straight forward as if they've never said that in their entire life. <laughs> and all the women nudged their husband and said, "Are you listening?" Because it's about to get messy. 
It's two people submitted to God and then to each other. Here's what Paul says uh, about, about the wife and the husband. It's, she said, it, Paul says that the, the husband is the head of the wife. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Head. Now, it's interesting, and, and I'll go back to where we started. Sometimes you can approach something expecting to find something that isn't really there. And the Bible that we read, the Bible that you open, hopefully daily, and that you read, is that a bit too hopeful? <laughs> Weekly. That you open and, and you read is, is English, is it not? And sometimes when we approach Scripture, we read Scripture as and bringing with, with us all our cultural understanding of everything we experience and our lens, our glasses, our sunglasses, if you will, tainted rose glasses, and we read something into Scripture that actually isn't really there, which is really interesting because when you approach the word head from a biblical point of view, when you approach this, this word head that, that, that the husband is the head of the wife, you and me read it with an English analogy. Because in, in English, one of our uses for the word head is what? Leader. Above. True? You're looking at me suspicious this morning like, is he trying to mind trick me? into something that's true isn't it is it not but that's how we read it actually the the language that the new testament is written in is a language called koine greek it's a language that's not spoken now but it's still studied and the word that paul uses forehead is this word kafail and kafail here's what it means kinship association and connection there's no evidence to suggest that in a Greek world, this meant above or leader. Very quiet in here. And actually, if you begin to study the text of Ephesians 5 and what Paul is saying, Paul's analogy is that of a body. True? It, he says that the, the wife is now a part of the man, and the man is the head connected to his wife. Just as Christ is associated in kin with, connected to the church. Actually, when you understand what Paul's doing here, Paul's not subjecting the women, and, and this is not a put down to women, or women, you just need to submit to your husbands. Actually, here's what Paul's doing. Paul's elevating the view of women. In the Greco-Roman world to which Paul wrote, your wife was not a part of you, she was property. She was something that you as a man owned. And here's what Paul says, here's how I want you to view your wives as part of your very body. Connected to you. Just as, you, just as you take care of your own body, take care of your wives. Can you see what Paul's doing? He's elevating. Some of you don't want to see it. But he's elevating the role and the function of woman in, the woman in the home. 
Now, I'm not suggesting that, that we don't have different functions in family. I'm not suggesting, just, just as, as the analogy, let's stick with the analogy that Paul uses. He's using the analogy of, of the body and body parts being connected. Just as, as different body parts have different functions. And they have, they're, 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 for, they're a part of the body connected, but they have a different outworking, a different function. I'm not suggesting that, that men and women are the same. I'm suggesting we have different functions, but we're a part of the same body. And Paul's message, which actually is about mutual submission. Because if you go back to verse 21, here's what Paul says before he says, wives, submit to your husbands. He says in verse 21, before verse 22, submitting to one another. One another. So this is about a wife submitting to her husband, but a husband submitting to his wife. What a great picture. That this is two individual people who have now become one flesh. Who have submitted their lives to God. And are now, in order to have a healthy marriage, according to Paul, submit to one another. Does that make sense? Different functions. Different makeup. Different people. But now part of the same body. And he proves it from Genesis. Just as Adam and Eve were two people who became one flesh, one body, associated, connected. He's elevating the view of women. In fact, as a common synagogue prayer, think about this, if you were to pray this in, in our public context every day, this was a common prayer that was recited in the synagogue. God, I thank you that you have not made me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. Repeat after me. No, we're not, not going to do that. To which the woman would reply. Here's what the woman, how the woman would reply. I thank you, God, that you have made me according to your will. And Paul's saying, hey, now she's a part of your, your very body. Love her, cherish her, care for her, nurture her. Just as Christ nurtures the church takes care of his body here's here's the fourth follow through okay so here's what he says he says men follow christ's example well christ is the head of the church what does it mean to be the head for christ it means to serve the church and to sacrifice your life for the church what's the church's response you and me as we give our lives and our hearts to god it's to serve god and to sacrifice our lives in that service of him true do you see how that's mutual so if, 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 we're to pay, if we're to follow Paul's parable, so man as the head of the marriage, the one associated, connected to, the one, that's his function. What's, what does it look like in his role? To serve his wife and to sacrifice his life for her. What's the wife's response? The wife being in this parable, in this analogy, the church, to serve her husband and to sacrifice her life for God and for him. What difference would that make in your marriage? Think about that. If you served each other and sacrificed for one another, that'd be powerful, wouldn't it? What a powerful picture to the world around. 
Now, we laid a foundation, and I know that some of you are not happy with me. If you want to write an email, please construct it to simon at bravechurch.co.uk, and, uh, and he'll respond to you. Uh, I'm, I'm just, as I, approach, as I approach the text, I, I want to be as, as, as authentic as we can. I want to lay real foundation. Here are three things that Paul says. Once we understand that, here are three things Paul says about the, how a marriage relationship could, could and should work. Three analogies, three symbols he uses. The first is a symbol of light. We talked last week about, just before he jumps into this text, about the church and about husband and wife. He talks about how when you come to know Jesus, you have, you have come from darkness to light. Powerful analogy, isn't it? From darkness to light, that you are now to shine his light. Think about it like this, if we're going to use an illustration. Think about the moon. The moon gives to us no light of its own. The moon only can give to us what it reflects from the sun. So even when the sun is hidden, the moon still provides an element and a portion of light into this world. Here's what our marriages should be. The moon that reflects the sun, Jesus, into this world. That even when the sun is hidden, maybe some of you are in here and you're, I'm not that sure about this God thing, and you're kind of weighing it up and, and kind of looking in and... I'm not sure how it all fits together. Well, well, our lives as Christ followers are to reflect the light of the Son, Jesus Christ, so that you could catch a glimpse of who he is. How good would it be if our marriages shone into the world around us a little bit of that light that they could see something of Jesus in our marriages? That'd be good, wouldn't it? To be like, no, I don't, I'm not really, not really up for that. So here's, here's a couple of questions. If you want to be that light into your home and you want to be that light into, into the world, number one, how will you shine the light of God into your home? What will your wife or husband see of God through your interaction with them? What will your kids growing up in the home what will they see of God through how you, husband and wife, treat each other and allow the light of God to be shone through your relationship to them? Because we're, really we're really good at gathering together as the church and talking about changing the world. Well, what about if we settled for God change my life? And as you change my life, change my marriage. And as you change my marriage, change my kids and what example would that set to the world around us of families who were willing to shine the light of Christ in and through them that had changed the world so maybe we should boil it down stop praying the grandiose prayers and say God change me change my home and then question number two how will your home shine its light to the world Marriage is an interesting thing, isn't it? Some of you are with your spouses and you don't want to say yes. <laughs> Marriage is an interesting thing. Marriage is the gift of, of being known to each other. The, the aim of, of a marriage should be that that person that you've given your life to as you submit to God and now as you submit to each other knows you like no other. True? 
But here's the challenge, that as you get married, you find out things about that person that are challenging. True? Challenging. I was sat in, in the back coffee house here the other week. I was having, I was having lunch with my friends. And, uh, and we're eating sandwiches. And, uh, and I noticed that one of the friends I'm eating with, he chews rather loudly when he's eating. Rather loudly. In fact, he's, I said, well, I, and I drew attention to the fact, you chew really loud when you're eating. And he said, yeah, it's because I've got a defect in my jaw. My jaw clicks every time I eat. So it's like, as he's chewing. And his wife was there. And she said, dead flat, dead straight. If I'd have known that about him when I married him. She was deadly serious. Deadly, what not? It was, this wasn't a funny conversation. This was deadly serious. If I'd have known that about him, Valder Rushton to Simon Rushton. If I'd, have, if I'd have known that about him when I married him, I would not have married him. I wouldn't have married him. Now, here's the crazy thing in marriage. You found out, find out stuff, don't you? As you journey with someone, I didn't know you were like that. Like, here's the truth. Before you get married, you don't show the stuff you don't want to show. Do you? But when you're spending every day with each other, you can't hide it anymore. And it becomes known. And in order for you to journey through that, you better develop a prayer life. You better allow the light of God to shine in you, through you. So that as you build together, Think about this, this beautiful mutual submission, this, this submitted to God and submitted to one another, this, be, this beautiful picture of the body working together. You better be sure when you marry that person that we can work together. You better be sure because there's going to be some, in the process of working stuff out, there's going to be some sacrifice. It's going to be some servanthood, and it's going to cost. You're thinking, where's the good news? But you, as you do that, husband, wife, share that beautiful picture together. Here's what you do. You get an opportunity to show Jesus to each other and to the world around. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? You get an opportunity to act like Jesus would act. As you sacrifice, as you submit to one another. Band, if you want to come, we're going to get ready to finish in just a second. The second image that Paul paints is this. He paints a picture of light and how light is to work in marriage. Then he paints a picture of water. And he says this. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Here's what happens when you, when you become a Christ follower, when you accept what Jesus has done in dying for your sins and, and on the cross as he defeated sin and as he defeated death, as you accept that, as you journey into relationship with him, here's the beautiful picture the Bible paints, that he washes you. But literally, as you go through the waters of baptism, it's a symbol of that. It's an outward sign of, of something that's taken place on the inside, that he has washed you, cleansed you. You're free of all that old, the old way of life, all the sin that's so easy in town. You're free from it, and you're washed, and you're clean.
washes us. Jesus gives you a bath. And here's the picture that Paul paints, that now in marriage, husbands, you are to wash your wife. The same cleansing work that Jesus did, you're to now play a part in. And wives, you can be a part of this too. That we could wash each other, cleanse each other. I don't know if you ever traveled to, to America. In, in America, here's what I've noticed about America. American toilets don't flush like they should. Like literally when you flush them, like they, they trickle. There's not a whoosh. There's a And we were on vacation there uh, last year with our family and we were staying at uh, some friends of ours family so we never met them before we were staying at their house and our kids were playing in the basement and they were having fun they had fun we stayed over we left the next day and then we got a call to find out that the downstairs bathroom where the kids had been playing was flooded like what a great gift to leave leave as guests <laughs> We'll have them come back. And they, they told us that literally the toilet overflowed. All this, all this, I won't go into detail, all this messy water. All of us, stinky, smelly sewage all over the floor. And here's what they did. As they investigated, as they looked in the toilet, they found what looked like an illuminous orange toy. And as they pulled it out, they found Nemo stuffed down the toilet Nemo was trying to go home and he'd been placed there by one of our kids and as a result of Nemo being stuffed down there's spillage all over here's the picture that Paul paints in, in Ephesians that the washing that takes place between Christ and his church and between husband and wife we get to choose whether that's a cleansing or whether that's contaminated. I don't know about you, I know what I want to choose. I want the influence and the impact that I have on my family to be a washing, cleansing work, not a contamination. So you get an opportunity to reflect the light of God. You get an opportunity to help wash and to cleanse. And the third image that Paul gives us is the image of nourishment, the image of food, which is an image I like very much. Food. He says this, he says in verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Here's what happens in a, in a healthy marriage. There's nourishment from each other. That literally your life could help feed, nourish, nourish, care for your spouse. Here's a, here's a question for you. What would the result of a 20-year diet of you look like? What's the result? Don't look at your partner right now. You've been married for 20 years plus. What would be the result of you being the sustenance in that marriage? Here's, here's the thing I heard last year. As you've been married for a long period of time, you don't get the husband and wife that they were when you married them. Over the course of time, you get the husband and wife that you want. 
Because second to Christ, you are the most important influence on their life. So we can blame our partners. Oh, I don't like that about you. Don't like this about you. Or we can look in the mirror and say, maybe, just maybe, their life, their attitude, their actions are a result of the nourishment that they've been getting from me. So what kind of wife do you want? What kind of husband do you want? Start feeding it. I don't mean literally, that'll help too, by the way. With your life, start feeding that. Start feeding that in, in your affirmation. Start feeding that in your love and your care and your support. Start feeding that in your sacrifice and your submission and in your servanthood. Start feeding that. You don't just get what you have, you get what you want. What do you want? What do you want your marriage to look like? What do you want your partner to look like as you move forward? Here's the truth. In all these things, light, water, nourishment, food, you can't give what you haven't got. So in order to be the kind of light you should be in your family, you need the light of the world to first shine in you. In order to be the washing, cleansing, work in your family, in your marriage, you need to be washed and you need to be cleansed. In order to be the kind of nourishment that you should be, you need to receive the nourishment from God that He gives through His Word. Here's what Psalm 127, if you want to stand to your feet, I'm going to read this and then we're going to pray over our marriages this morning. Here's what Psalm 127 says. It says this, He says, unless the Lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city the watchman stays awake in vain in order to have the healthy marriage you and me want in order to be the kind of influence we want to be in our homes and in our world well God's got to build it and it starts with us giving our lives to him and saying God we're yours that's the end of this week's podcast. We hope that it inspired you. For any more information, visit bravechurch.co.uk.